0: folks you know it's been a little bit of a hiatus the doc was off working her dark magic putting a little bit negative partisanship strategy up in this 22 cycle and disrupting a midterm effect so i didn't have time to do my favorite thing which is to bring really interesting people onto the show and talk about their really interesting shit so i'm really excited to be back today and i have got a treat for you i have got emmy winning film director Billy Corbin here <laughs> to talk about his new documentary on Hulu, which dropped on the first November. So if you haven't seen it yet, it's on Hulu, go and see it right away. He dropped his new doc on the Falwell family. It's called God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. And I um, want people to know something, a little something, something about my history. Remember I spent some time in Virginia and Virginia is part, the second scene of this this locale. The first is, of course, Miami, which is why the film is hashtagged because Miami. <laughs> and, you know, it's always Florida when there's something like that. But the other part is this little town in Virginia called Lynchburg, which has got the dubious distinction on the electoral ma- map for Virginia of, of tending to go red, where the other city centers go blue. And the reason why, folks, is, is because it's ground zero for the Falwell family dynasty. Now, if you don't know what the Falwell family dynasty is, I'm going to have Billy kind of refresh us on the history of the Falwell family and how we get to Jerry Jr. But, you know, these people are, are, they own basically Lynchburg, Virginia. They've built a billion dollar you know private university it claims to be the largest christian university in the u in the in the world actually right um and uh you know it's run by a bunch of fucking hypocrites who are out there partying clubbing drinking fucking all week so billy happy to have you on god it's a tremendous film when i reached out to you i told you listen the cinematography on this film is great the soundtrack is perfect. I want to meet the person that chose these songs that go through it. And uh damn, I am so excited well, to have you on the site. Well, it's
1: it's nice to meet you. I'm the person who chose the the songs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you it could not sweet. have done any bit better on that. And uh, you know, if you're in if you're a person that feels like a good movie needs to be well soundtracked billy corbin is your man because he has fucking nailed it and in fact you know pretty warm up and we'll talk we'll talk about this on 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 tape right now pretty warm up. you asked me what was the moment where you realized you were going to watch the whole film because i I confessed i am a super snob um and i don't watch a lot of things and and i check it out and if i think it's good enough i'll watch it all and i was like at the 20 minute mark when you came in with the fucking song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was all about you know catching that swing culture that you know the Falwells apparently were a good part of. So it is, Billy- a,
1: it is a it is a Trick Daddy and Trina song because Miami. Um, even though that oh. scene that particular scene takes place in New York, I don't know. Wanted to bring in since they met in my this cuckold threesome was born poolside at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. I wanted to bring that little taste of Miami and and that song. I have to tell you. Uh, well worth the money we spent licensing it because it's gotten a lot of attention. And, you know, in this era of of streamers and the commodification of content where there's so much content, it's very easy for you to sample it, right? And see like, ah, whatever, like five minutes in, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it's really easy to say, fuck it, I'll move on to the next thing, right? I, I do it all the time. Yep. But there's, you know, there's those of us who spend a lot of time and a lot of effort, you know, crafting and working on these things. And so part of the challenge is to, you know, is to convert people into viewers. I mean, first you gotta, you first you gotta get on the service. Then you gotta, you know, you, you go window shopping, right? Click, click, click. Then you find something. Then you maybe you watch a trailer. Then you go, that looks cool. I'll hit play. Then you hit play. Then we gotta, then we gotta keep you there. It's like it's always this constant tug of war with the with the audience. And so that's why I was so curious. Like, well, where were you? In the the moment that you were just like, okay, I'm in it to win it now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this through to its conclusion wherever it may lead you. And and I hope that you also didn't know where it was going because those are my favorite movies where if I show you the first five minutes and the last five minutes, you go, I bet the rent. That that's those aren't from the same movie. Those are you know how the hell in an hour and thirty five minutes do you go from you know the that to that? And like right. I think this is one of those stories where it's like just a batshit journey in this in this documentary. Cuckumentary.
0: I love that. I mean, that's the perfect. Oh, it's so great. So let's, let's take a second here. Just assume some people have not or not very familiar with what happened. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's just quickly tell folks if you, if you could, in your own words, why did you make this movie? What is this movie about?
1: Yeah. So at first blush, this movie is, is about this, this, uh, as I said, this alleged cuckold threesome that started, uh, that was between a former pool boy uh, at the Fountain Blue Hotel who met this woman who he described as a cougar who propositioned him poolside in um, May of 2012, I'm sorry, March of 2012, spring of 2012. And she basically, she was more than twice his age. She was probably in her, he was 20. She was probably in her mid forties. And she said, hey, after your shift, you wanna come to my room and hook up? And he's like, yeah, I'm down. And she says one catch though, my husband likes to watch. And it turns out that this woman and her husband were Jerry Falwell Jr. and Becky Falwell, the president and first lady of Liberty University, a Christian university where according to the Liberty Way, their code of conduct that applies to students, to faculty, to staff, administrators, you cannot dance. You cannot uh, curse. You cannot watch R-rated movies. You cannot have sex outside of the sanctity of uh, marriage between a man and a woman. There's uh, the, There are stories of... Of, of students out on quote unquote dates where their version of Hulu and chill is a woman is sitting on her in the first floor dorm room and through the window, there's a boy watching. So she's on her couch in her dorm room and outside on a lawn chair, basically, yeah. watching through an open window because they're not allowed to go habitate or be on the same futon together. I mean, these very sort of puritanical rules. Um, no drinking, no. But the bottom line is, is that, all of this shit that they were enforcing against people. I mean, when I say enforcing, I mean, there's monetary penalties. There's of course academic penalties. This could ruin your life if you violate these rules um, academically, financially. Uh, They were basically treating the 10 commandments as a bucket list down here in, in Miami (laughs) beach. Um, And, and God bless them living their very best lives. And this movie is not to kink shame them. Because that is what Miami is for. Bring your kinks. That's right. Live your best life. We, we love it. That's our business down here in Miami is like the whole what happens in Miami stays in Miami vibe. Needless to say, this did not stay in Miami. And part of that reason is this is an extraordinary like butterfly effect story where a butterfly flapped its wings at the Fountain Blue Hotel pool and it changed the course of world history because
0: this it it really is let me not to you know interrupt you because i just don't want to bury you know kind of you know that this part of it i want to be able to disentangle it it is right so it's a story of repressed desire and this parochial Bullshit regime, right? That evangelical Christians and other religions that are dogmatic promote and 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 force people to comply with, and it and so in many ways, and this is not to 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 try to excuse Jerry Falwell Jr.'s behavior at all, right? But this is a man that was born, as you say in the film, without the religious fervor or conviction of his father. Right. Which is what you need to live a life that's basically monastic, right, that suppresses all natural human urge and desire. (laughs) And so, you know, he did what many people do do. And many people I'm talking specifically about Republicans. Right. Right. He he required those around him to conform to standards that he was secretly not willing or able to conform to. <laughs> and the hypocrisy of it is pretty damn yeah. astounding.
1: And it becomes outrageously dangerous uh, right. at the risk of getting ahead of ourselves. But it's to your point that, you know, when we stopped, you know, living in a world in which we, we in a country in which we treated our, uh, or, or taught our children the golden rule, like right? Do unto others as you'd have done unto you, born of the Bible, that the golden rule. Um, But when it became do as I say, not as I do, that's when we got into some treacherous waters. When you have a a, a party in particular of such bad faith, where it's women who they believe that women should be imprisoned for having abortions, but the men who finance them should go to the United States Senate. That's that's dangerous shit, in my opinion. And, and, and when, when you realize there are these two sets of rules, you, that's not a nation of laws. And that and that becomes I mean, that becomes, like I said, pretty fucking treacherous.
0: It really is. And, you know, it's one thing to make a movie about evangelicals living, ba- breaking bad, right? I mean, this is, this is something that we've been, I know you you're and I are around the same age, been following for really the entire time that, you know, evangelical movement has been nationalized. Um, you know, preachers who are secretly gay or whatever, right? Um, that part is bad enough. And, and it's scandalous that they would come down to Miami, hide this, you know, um, bring their children into this relationship, this, you know, menage de that's going on uh, those things are all bad but but it gets even worse because it, it it moves beyond hypocrisy and ain't that a shame to to having a real world impact on American politics can you talk a little bit about how their menage de trois uh, exploits <laughs> in Miami end up potentially helping Donald Trump become the president of t- in 2016 and of course all of the shit that has happened as a result of that
1: Yeah, I think that's what's so interesting about this, too, is that, again, we kind of tempt the audience with the candy of this sex scandal, and then we kind of slip in the vegetables, if you will, (laughs) you know, of of this larger story. So, yeah, it is about this cuckold threesome, but it is also about the story of this 50-year, you know, multi-generational evangelical dynasty, Um, their outsized influence on presidential politics, and this very cynical power-hungry project to overturn Roe versus Wade, which was not born out of any kind of religious passion or pro-life. It was pro-power and pro-profit and how to use the pulpit to gain that power and that profit. I, I like to remind people that this documentary is not about Christians and Christianity. This is about people who exploit christians and christianity yes. uh, for their own personal power and profit and and that and 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 to that end um you had uh, a bit of a mystery in the 2016 republican primary which is how did a race that included ted cruz any a legitimate evangelical whose father is in fact a preacher who was leading donald trump who beat him in the iowa you know in the iowa caucuses um how did the shift happen where Donald Trump winds up garnering a higher percentage, over 80% of evangelical voters, a very passionate, very influential voting bloc, more so than any president in modern history. And this is a voting bloc who helped elect every single Republican uh, since Ronald Reagan. Um, And how did that happen? That evangelicals backed a twice-divorced Democratic abortionist playboy from New York City of all places with five children from three different women. Like, how did that happen? And it really happened in a word, Jerry Falwell Jr. I mean, or I should say in a name, Jerry Falwell Jr., the first evangelical leader to endorse Trump uh, in early 2016. And that really kicked the door down and rolled out the, 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 the red carpet and the welcome wagon for other evangelical leaders to get on board and bring their flocks with them. And that yeah, Let me let me
0: tell you too. I mean, you're not wrong, okay? Because as a person, I mean at this in 2015, 2016, I'm a professor, I'm an expert in political behavior. I'm watching, you know, the Trump nomination effort go. As soon as this fall well endorsement happened, I knew I knew America was well and truly fucked, okay? <laughs> because <laughs> if the evangelical leadership says do A, they're doing A. And as and, that, and as you pointed out, Trump Thrice married, adulterer, corrupt—you know—con uh, man Trump does better, overperforms evangelicals than George W. Bush, who ran as the nation's first born again evangelical president. Okay, I mean that's it's it's astounding, but it's a total function of you know a public opinion being. Um, structured from the top down. And, and this Falwell stamp of approval, as you were just saying, changes everything for Donald Trump in terms of the nomination and what it would take to rally to win a general. So. Absolutely. So you know, as, as the film continues, you, you know, I, I want to talk just a little bit about the the star of the film. His name is Giancarlo, John Carlo is how you say it, John Carlo Granda. <laughs> it's just such a great name. I mean, you know, it's very, it's a very good name. But anyway, um, yes, if, boy, if you're if you're
1: if you're naming your your handsome pool boy lead yeah.
0: in this, <laughs> it's in this not a bad break, one. Yeah. You can see why Becky was smitten with the young man, right? I mean, you and, know. and she was. <laughs> Very smitten. Yes. That's very, very, very smitten. So, you know, this poor, so from what I understand, he, he reached out to you and the, and the genesis of this film is this, this guy who, who you know, as he says in the beginning, I was a horny 20 year old. Who this cougar's like? Hey, come fuck me in front of my husband. He's like, okay, I'm on it. You know, yeah. like that's all he, you know, he wanted. Well, right?
1: you have to remember that? That sounds pretty extraordinary, maybe just to some of the people listening. But in 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 Miami, that's a Wednesday. Yeah, you know, that's like, like that's, that's, that's a... a Wednesday morning, dude. I mean, that's it's, like yeah, ten. It's a, <laughs> it's a day that ends in Y. You know, so like so. So he was getting himself into some misadventures. Listen, the blood was not in the big head. You know, Ooh, he okay. was. He was making decisions, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. S- s- south of the waistline and had no idea who he was getting involved with, of course, either. In fact, even after he knew their names, which wasn't until later, by the way, yeah. he still didn't know who they were. That's it was right. his older sister who rec- who, who rang up a- Jerry Falwell Jr. Wait a second, um, <laughs> who that rang rang a bell with. But um You know, we our company Rack and Tour is um is uh, headquartered here in Miami Beach. You know, we we call the genre that we focus in uh, on is called Florida fuckery, um, and (laughs) a lot of Miami madness. You know, our documentaries like Cocaine Cowboys, the ESPN. the you 537 votes about the um the the outsized role that miami had in the 2000 florida recount yeah. in electing a uh, george w bush in the first place by by a margin of 537 votes not just in the state of florida but more specifically in miami-dade uh, uh county um uh, home to like the greatest fuckery in the in the recount um a <laughs> no plate you know um and so uh and screwball about alex rodriguez and the and the biogenesis steroid scandal like they're all sort of these like Bizarre Miami, only in Miami kind of stories, which is how this one starts out. In fact, our office is about eight blocks away from this $4.65 million real estate, a commercial real estate uh, property that Giancarlo wound up less than 11 months after meeting uh, Becky and Jerry by the pool, the fountain blue, at his job at age 20. He's a real estate millionaire, partners yeah. in- in this in this property here, um, this property which consists of a very popular Italian restaurant, which is still there, a liquor store, and then what Politico referred to as a gay-friendly flop house, which was this this uh, youth hostel that where everybody welcome, you know, kind of a youth hostel, anything goes, kind of a joint that was co-owned again by these evangelical, the first family, really, yeah. of, of yes. evangelicalism, and this twenty-year-old pool attendant. Uh and, and that became the mystery when it was first reported about twenty eighteen in BuzzFeed, uh, when Aaron Rostin reported about this unusual real estate deal involving these very weird, I mean like characters you wouldn't expect to have found their way to each other. What do you um, mean that
0: evangelical Christians don't tend to, to front properties with signs in front of them that say no politics, no religion? <laughs>
1: well i mean listen these
0: these folks left a lot of
1: things at the door you know before they walked into their hotel rooms uh, no but-
0: doubt no so you want to know one of my favorite parts of the film
1: oh yeah for sure
0: okay and this is this is because i mean you know me i'm, I'm kind of a, a hustler <laughs> i like it when he when they go on the trip and they end up meeting michael cohen okay oh
1: yeah tell yeah. us
0: a little bit about that scene
1: yeah, so this is the backstory of the endorsement and, right. and how that how that came to be and how Jerry Jr. became very much a Trump man. Jerry Jr., as you mentioned, did not uh, was not the man of God that his younger brother Jonathan was. In fact, when their father Jerry Falwell Sr. died in, in 2007, he split the business. He he where he was in charge of everything. He made Jonathan. Uh, Falwell in charge of the took over the Thomas road Baptist church as the preacher, as the man of God and Jerry jr. Um, the, the, the namesake of course took over as the president of the business of yep. Liberty university, which, which some students have described as not a university, but really a real estate hedge fund run right. by Jerry Falwell jr. Who was to be fair by training and trade a real estate lawyer. That's what he was a real estate hustler who wound up owning as you observe, most of Lynchburg, Virginia, and yeah. of course, this property down in Miami Beach uh, as, <laughs> as well. Um, but Jerry uh, Jr. really fancied himself a a Virginia Donald Trump, you yes. know, and really admired him a great deal. And in fact, invited Donald Trump in 2012, uh, fall of 2012, to participate in what they call a convocation event, which is a, th- what at the time, was a thrice weekly event uh, mandatory attendance if you're on, if you're living on campus um in the Liberty Flames basketball arena a seat well, i think the capacity is like 10,000 so you had this room packed full of people um where they really exploited the ability to indoctrinate this captive audience and Jerry Jr would invite people who he found not religiously simpatico but who he was politically simpatico with and it, it eventually evolved into absolutely an extension of the trump white house every uh not only within the administration but sort of the periphery like trump grifters as well yeah. the charlie perks you know uh uh the candace owens everybody the judge janines they all that that is in addition to the first lady don jr the vice president mike pence they were all welcome there and they had just a standing invitation where they would just take over with right-wing propaganda the the young impressionable minds of liberty uh university this wasn't a religious education mind you this is very much a political education which also flies in the face of their nonprofit status but we don't have to we don't have to get into that no one really pays much attention to uh to that but long story even longer john carlo within like, was it less than six months after meeting the Falwells, gets an email invitation from Becky, would you like to meet Donald Trump? And Giancarlo was raised uh, Catholic, conservative, Cuban-American in Miami. Republican.
0: That's why Becky (laughs) thought
1: he was perfect.
0: He loved it. He (laughs) he fit the profile, no doubt. A guy who can keep a secret, right? For political reasons. (laughs) Copy of Art of the Deal. He wanted to
1: get it autographed and he winds up on a VIP private tour with the Fallwell of Liberty University, the campus with the Fallwells, Trump, and his entourage, which included at the time his right hand man and fixer, Michael Cohen. And but there's Giancarlo in the green room, a very famous picture of him shaking hands with Donald Trump, while a very awkward Jerry and Becky kind of look on in the background, yeah. it, it, as well as their young daughter. By the way, also kind of looks on awkwardly. And another person who was looking on awkwardly was Michael Cohen, who as uh, as you smelled as that ver- shit like a shark with blood in the water, dude. <laughs> Giancarlo <laughs> remembers like the feeling of Michael Cohen's eyeballs I on him. I
0: bet he like... does. If I ever spoke with him, it'd be all about like, Dude, Cohen had your fucking number. The second he took one look at these two, he's like, oh, they're fucking him. They're totally fucking this guy. And that was part of Michael Cohen's job was
1: to find people's weaknesses, to identify and collect the compromise and to understand, to read between the lines and to understand where the vulnerabilities are. And so he spotted this quick. And Giancarlo said, man, I think he he knew right. Away, like, what is this guy doing here? What does he have? And he's introduced as our friend from the fountain blue. Who's like they're our real estate partner down in Miami? And we and and Michael Cohen identified pretty quickly, according to Giancarlo, that there was something more to this relationship. And, and he was certainly right about
0: that it. tends to 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 be on the side of the unusually observant. <laughs> like I I actually could tell like the exact like I don't know if you knew it when you were putting the footage in. But like you literally can see it connecting Cohen's eyes <laughs> like on camera, dude, you know, like the moment of clarity. And I get that sometimes about someone. I'll be like, oh, oh, you know, like I saw that moment of clarity in Michael Cohen's eyes. And, you know, he, he ends up quite deftly on that. I mean, he was, you know, say what you want about Michael Cohen, but for Donald Trump's purposes, incredibly effective, especially in this one thing. That ends up, you know, I mean, the conversation when that Falwell endorsement drops is, will evangelicals line up behind Trump? Because the kingmaker in the Democratic primary process is the black vote. As I think it should be right in the southern states starting with South Carolina. That's where all the bullshit for months and months and months. We watch all this bullshit about Iowa, New Hampshire and the candidates. But it doesn't matter if you don't have the black vote down in South Carolina, you ain't winning shit. And that's the same in Republican politics. And the reason why Iowa is more important than Republican politics for the evangelical vote. Right. Yes. So you know, for folks to to understand exactly how this happens, that Cohen's able to take this info of, hey, that's weird that you brought this twenty one year old you know kid from uh, South Beach with you, <laughs> and and end yeah. up you know a year later or whatever you know a couple of years later, A couple of years right, later, yeah right. Um, he if he pulls it out of the memory bank and he's you know and so you know I
1: I, I and you said and and Michael Cohen was uh. Would maintain those relationships that yes. he felt, you know, like. But John Donald Trump isn't texting like BFFs with Jerry Jr. every day. But Michael Cohen would identify those people that he thought would be of some use to the boss, the boss, the boss. You know, and, oh,
0: that's so and, good.
1: <laughs> and he would he would collect those people and maintain a relationship with them in the end and and do them favors he um jerry jr needed help getting some vip passes for a justin bieber concert for his daughter and her friend he hooked them up then he needed some help with a lawsuit down in Miami of uh involving this real estate transaction with the with the former pool boy. And Jerry called in this favor and Michael Cohen did him that favor. We can get into those, to that story involving some compromising photographs of his wife and and allegedly the pool boy. And so and and then it becomes a situation where it doesn't have to be a quid pro quo. You know, it doesn't have to be like, hey, remember what I did for you. It's it's understood. It is an unspoken thing where, you know, your back was scratched and, you know, someday you may very well decide to return that favor or in this case, plural uh, favors. It doesn't always have to be like the perfect phone call with Zelensky, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, do me a little favor. It doesn't always have to be that kind of, you know, gangster mafioso strong arming. It can just kind of be like, you know, we're all powerful people up here breathing rarefied air. We've got each other's backs. Now, you know, it was my turn to help you. Now it's your turn to help me. You don't even have to say it. It just works that way.
0: It does. It does just work that way. And, and your film does such a great job of showing folks exactly how it works, especially amongst the crowd of people that think that they want to take, should be able to dictate how we live our lives, right? When they can't even meet these standards for themselves. So, um, Billy, thanks for coming on and onto the cycle and talking about this film. I cannot highly recommend this movie enough it is so good if you don't if you love documentary film as much as i do this doc has everything that you could possibly want in it it's got scandal and corruption and lies cinematography excellent music i mean i know there's a song at the end of it that's just incredible and i wanted to ask you about it it's um is it a customized song there it is a song at the end that's like it's right. Is it the Moby song at the Is it during January 6th or when Yes, that song.
1: Yeah. Yes. M- yeah. That's a wonderful, wonderful song um, by Moby called Extreme Extreme Ways. And we actually we use two different versions of it. We use like the original mix of it. And then there's an orchestral like cover that 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 was also done. Um and then we kind of like crossfaded. Yeah, it's very, it's very powerful. We kind of bookend with Moby songs, which I think okay. gives definitely gives the definitely gives the movie a, a, a vibe because we also had that opening um a Moby song during our very James Bondian kind of opening credit sequence that we we actually shot it underwater.
0: Okay. Uh, Did we, you? I was gonna ask yeah. that actually it's really good. I mean it's just so perfect, Thank you know? You. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and we use the the Moby song natural blues in at at, at the opening. And it's just okay. it, yeah. Yeah, because it's got that sort of like spiritual like sample in it um that like that that gives it just the right kind of kind of vibe, I think, for the for the subject matter. And then we had this kind of like uh, toi, uh uh this 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 pas de deux, or pas de trois, I should say underwater. Toi. Yeah, yeah, pas de trois. <laughs> pas, pas <laughs> yeah, well no, it's it is a dance term. It's a dance of three, if you will, ah, which is very a men stage ball, much, you might even it, say, right? Very much <laughs> in keeping with this with the with the subject of the movie. And um, yeah, so it definitely that overture I think kind of sets the tone for something that's kind of like sexy, dangerous, irreverent, bizarre, a little bit like awkward and funny. Um But uh, yeah, I mean, it it was uh, it's it's uh, one of the titles we were playing around with was Cuckold Cowboys, but we decided (laughs) against uh, against that.
0: (laughs) That's excellent. Well, it's a great film. Everybody can check it out. It's on Hulu. It's called God Forbid, the scandal that brought down a family dynasty. Right. Or dynasty. Dynasty, yeah, Yeah, I was screwed up the last time. The family that (laughs) broke the scandal that brought down a dynasty, and you guys need to check that out on Hulu. Follow Billy Corbin on on Twitter, I think he's still on Twitter, and uh, you know, check out his other films. You know, I truth is, I knew I was gonna watch the whole thing because of 30 for 30. I mean, it's just such a tremendous series, and I I figured the people making that are gonna make a really excellent political doc, and I was right. So, go check it out, everyone.
1: Good night and good cuck.
0: Good night. <laughs> good night and good That's great. <laughs>